Mark Twain said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The why is hidden in your name. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has created a scientific way of deciphering your name to reveal your contract for this lifetime. And your name even specifies the seven areas that are subsets of your soul's overall goal. Your name identifies who you are to both yourself and others. What does your name say about you? Find out in the book Know the Name, Know the Person, which can be purchased on the website knowthename.com. Welcome to Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality, a show designed to share spiritual insights with you so that you can comprehend the universe and how it functions. You are about to experience raised consciousness. This is a place where spiritual principles are shared with the goal of assisting you to expand your understanding of both the seen and unseen worlds. Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality helps you to discern the timeless truths handed down from wise sages through the ages, from the airy-fairy nonsense that is being taught today. Now, here is your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Mark Twain said, The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The why is hidden in your name. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has created a scientific way of deciphering your name to reveal your contract for this lifetime, and your name even specifies the seven areas that are subsets of your soul's overall goal. Your name identifies who you are to both yourself and others. What does your name say about you? Contact Sharon Lynn Wyeth at info at knowthename.com for your stunning name review. Welcome to Luminescence, Common Sense Spirituality, the radio show that disseminates esoteric knowledge and common sense spirituality. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science, the ability to know all about a person's personality and the soul's purpose simply from a person's name. Now, our topic today is empathy versus sympathy. What is the difference in energy-wise between empathy and sympathy? How does one develop more empathy? Does empathy have anything to do with psychic skills? How is empathy related to compassion? It is said that Jesus had more compassion than anyone else, which is why people were drawn to him. So how do we become more compassionate? Is there a limit to empathy or compassion or circumstances where these traits don't serve us? And our special guest today is Susan Rowland. Now, Susan Rowland is a native Chicagoan, raised on Chicago's northwest side as a child. Susan did not have a conventional childhood. From the age of six, Spirit singled her out and set in motion her journey to provide healing, clarity, and guidance. Blessed with the gifts of seeing the past, present, and future, Susan has been in constant contact with spirits, voices, and visions in order to help others make sense of their lives. In her early life, Susan chose to use her unique gifts selectively to help those close to her, as well as local officials and businesses in need of direction. However, she soon became aware that she possessed rare and valuable gifts that should be used for the greater good. Not only has she used her unique abilities to provide spiritual guidance and healing to people of every age and every walk of life throughout the world, but on a personal level, her gifts also enabled her to defeat her own daughter's autism. As a professional psychic medium, Susan uses her abilities to help clients gain deep insights into their life journey and gain spiritual growth, shining light on relationships, love, career, business, and family. Welcome 
to Luminescent Susan. So nice to have you back with me again. Oh, I always love being on your show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? (laughs) Hey, we're all good on this end. (laughs) (laughs) Good. It's always good to hear that. (laughs) You know, know, and I just think everybody's doing the best they can. And I think what's most important is that people keep a positive attitude regardless of what's going on because it just makes it easier to deal with. No truer words. Um, I agree. If you're doing the best you can, that's all you can do. Seriously. And I agree with that. And and I tell people sometimes, try not to try so hard. Okay? Because you're putting added pressure, unnecessary pressure on yourself. Just do the best you can. So I I love what you just said. And it's true. What can you do? It's not in your control. A lot of things that's happening around us is not because of what we're doing. It's just around us. So we've got to kind of make way in how we kind of quickly have to exit those scenarios and not feel like it's it's happening to us personally, you know? <laughs> well, my motto is when I do my best, God does the rest. So it doesn't True. cause any worry. <laughs> you know, no, it's it, like- it, yeah. You know, you've got to let, I, I always say it's a two-part. Um, you're going to do the best you can and then universe takes over. You cannot micromanage the whole thing because you're not God and you're not the universe. So you do the best on your level and then their level will intervene and take over to where they want us to go, what they want us to learn. They give us the tools and the opportunities and it's up to us of what we're going to do with them. And that's why I always say it's free will. It is free will. Okay, Mm -hmm. so our topic is empathy versus sympathy. What's the Mm -hmm. difference? How would you define each one and what's different between them? Empathy, and I find this with a lot of intuitive people, okay? When I say, oh, you're an empath, what does that mean? It means that when somebody's telling you a story, you not only feel bad, but you actually can feel like it's happening to you. So basically, you know, empathy involves putting yourself in others' shoes, but understanding what those feelings are. You are actually feeling what they feel. Now, sympathy, you can be understanding, but it's from your own perspective and how you see it. There's a big difference. Yeah, that's an interesting definition. Well, yeah, because I always say when I see empaths, you know, they are the ones that are ultra-sensitive, and they are picking up not only the vibes around them, but they're picking up your pain, all right? And they feel like it's happening to them. It's going right through them, and it's really, really hard. So, you know, when people are crying about something, they're crying. It's a sad story, but they're crying on a deeper level because they actually can feel what that person's going through. That is empathy. So how would an empath protect themselves so that they're not picking up things that then can cause them harm? Well, it's learning how to disconnect. I mean, I do it every day when I'm doing readings for people. I can literally, and one day I will, I will write volumes of books because I have so many stories. And it's it's quite disheartening, especially hearing of today's world, but even before COVID and all the politics and all the bad stuff that's out there right now, when people have lost loved ones, tragically, um, 
you know, I can actually feel like it's happening to me. And um, I have to remind myself that it's their story. It's not mine, number one. You can feel bad and show empathy, but you do have to remind yourself that, you know, you just have to guide them and try to help them. But it's like a phone call. When you're done with the phone call, you disconnect. You have to start learning how to slowly disconnect. Disconnect does not mean a bad thing. Disconnect is very, very important because we that is what keeps our balance together. So you have to know when to exit out emotionally. Well, I was going to say, too, if you don't disconnect, let's say then something sad happens in your life and that connection is still there. Wouldn't that energy then transfer back to the person that originally told you what was happening? Well, you can't exchange energies. That's very correct. You can, and you don't have to be in the same room to exchange energies. Whenever you are thinking about somebody as if this person is is right next to you. So, you know, the power of our thoughts, the power of our emotions, and the power that we reel in is very, very important. That's why they always say it's so important to release. Well, I was going to say I like the fact that we can connect regardless of how far away we are because Mm -hmm. that's how... I personally send loving energies to my grandchildren every day when we live in different states. Right, and you can actually send them protection. When you are saying a prayer of protection, you can send it to them. Anything of good that you're wishing upon someone, it will take. The power of your thoughts in a bad way and in a good way takes equal presence. And I I do try to tell people that. So... Be mindful of your thoughts. Is that what they call a curse on somebody when somebody's sending negative thoughts? Yeah, but I don't believe in curses. I, I never did. I do believe in bad energy and how you trans, you know, how you transcribe it to somebody else. I, I definitely believe that exists. But you have, you know, curses. You know, oh, I, I sent a curse that you're never going to see a good day um, because if you believe in it and you focus on that, that is what's going to transpire because it's what you're focusing on. Got it. So I don't, I believe you, you should be clearing yourself with white sage. And I tell people you could do it as often as you want, but at least once a week it should be done in your home, inside your car. Okay, you always start from the lowest part of the house and work your way up. Many times I saw people saging first upstairs and working down. You are putting all the energy and cementing it in the house. When you start from the bottom and you work your way up, you're not only clearing it, but you're sending all the negative out into the universe and let universe take care of it. That's a wonderful thought. I brought up the thing of curse because I hear people use that word, and I think Mm -hmm. it's a misnomer for just negative energy. Absolutely, and it also puts you in fearful mode. You have already decided, if you have a curse, that you're never going to see a good day, that you're never going to be able to thrive, and that's not true. So the power of that word has a lot of negative, and when you hold on to that negative, again, that's what transpires. And I tell people, you don't have curses. You have negative energy, but we can get that cleared up. They're like, really? I'm like, yes. You don't have to go, if a psychic tells you, oh, for $200, $2,000, you know, I see a curse, um, I can clear it for you. Don't walk from them, run. 
because they're taking your money. That's why I've done so many videotapes on saging and how to clear your space and your energy field. And you could do this and you should be doing this all the time because we don't live in a bubble. Right, we don't. So how does one develop more empathy? You have to kind of set the intention for wanting to listen for the emotion. You know, I see a lot of IT people, a lot of people with Asperger's or they're on the spectrum of autism, and they have a really hard time with cues of emotions, okay? So I I taught a lot of people who have this disability, when you can sit there and listen and pay attention to people's emotions and their, their social cues, okay? Sometimes you have to really look deep into the emotional side. And when you're seeing somebody get so out of hand, how is that making you feel? Pay attention to what you're feeling and what you're getting from that. A lot of times people are very closed off and they put their walls and their blockers. Um, It's impossible then to actually feel what somebody's going through and really have empathy for that. Here's another thing I need to bring up. Just because something isn't important to you and it's very important to somebody else, Please have empathy for that. I see this often where so many people, oh, it's not, you know, she's crazy. You know, she's making a big deal. Maybe to that person it is a big deal. So try to help them work through it so it no longer is a big deal. So when you pay attention to people's emotions, that's what's making you more empathetic. What about listening skills? I mean, I think a lot of us hear something but not necessarily listen. They don't. They're just listening and they're not processing the words. They're just hearing the words. But again, sometimes I see that people have, um, you know, they, they have a little problem with that. And it's maybe sometimes they, they just don't understand. So sometimes I think, okay, you probably have central auditory processing disorder where what you hear signals to the brain are mixed signals. You hear the words, but the actual meaning is coming out all muffled. So that's a deficit too. So if you know you're one of these people, then you're going to have to go to a doctor and, and start to get the skills in how to be more sympathetic. Here's the problem. When I see people that are closed off or they're, they don't realize social cues, it gets in the way with all your relationships. Think about that. Yeah, and that's very, very yes. important. So if you don't know how to communicate and listen, you're not going to be able to feel the right message that you need to understand from the other person and what they're trying to convey. Yeah, that would be uh, very detrimental in a relationship because somebody's going to feel like they're not being heard. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Does empathy so, have anything to do with psychic skills? Does what? I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Does empathy have anything to do with psychic skills? Very much so. Absolutely. Because first of all, I always say this. When I see people that are highly um, sensitive or they suffer from severe anxiety, um, they are very intuitive because they're getting emotions bouncing from every angle and they're, they're taking it in and that's their, their level of anxiety is going up and up and up. 
So, yes, I think that when people suffer from great amounts of, you know, empathy and they feel on such a higher level, it's because they are intuitive. Oh, interesting. So is is empathy also related to compassion? Yes, it comes hand in hand. Of course, when people can understand what you're going through, the compassion is just naturally built in. It's there. That's why they feel so bad for you or they feel your pain. It's definitely there. It's not something that that person has to work on. It's so there in every way. Okay, so Jesus had more compassion than anyone else, which is why that was so different at that time period and people were so drawn to him. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And so I've always looked at compassion as one of the key elements that is very important to develop within us. Could you talk to us about compassion and how that works with others and how to develop more of that for ourselves? Well, first of all, being compassionate resonates with being unselfish. If you're a selfish person, you are not going to be compassionate because when you are unselfish, and you have a need to want to help somebody or make something better, that is a total selfless act in the utmost of good direction. What's happening in our world today, that people are becoming more self-absorbed and they're getting disconnected. And this is why people are not feeling good any longer because we're walking away from good emotion, from good intent, Nobody wants to go the mile anymore. And I'm noticing even with all these computers and people are working from home, they're missing out on social, you know, skills and people and emotions. They're in front of a computer night and day, and it's all accurate. It's all facts, but there's no emotion to it. So I think people are becoming more and more closed off, and they're becoming more and more selfish because of it. Well, it always surprises me when I see, when I go by a schoolyard and kids are outside because it's their recess or it's their you know time between like lunchtime or whatever time between classes, and they're mm-hmm. sitting there next to each other and they're all into their phones. And I think you have a person right next to you. Why aren't you talking to that person? Well, have, you're right. Haven't you seen when you go out to dinner and you see couples and friends and they are texting literally to each other across the table. They're not looking and they're not engaging. They're not speaking. And I just shake my head. I observe this all the time when I go out. And I just think, my God, how sad is this that you cannot put your phone down? Seriously. And and it's becoming like your third arm. And I find that so, it's just sad. Nobody's engaging. You know, when you go back to Jesus, Jesus would go and he looked at everybody okay, with no stigma. He looked in everybody's eyes with complete innocence and a willing that you can be anything that you want to be. You had to choose what kind of a person you wanted to be, a selfish person, a narrow-minded person, you know, a prejudiced person, uh, a follower, you know, and, and that's what I think Jesus' word would always lead and show people to be kind to each other, to help each other. That if somebody says, oh, we shouldn't do that, you're, you're listening. Well, why? You know, just be you with your morals. That's what Jesus was all about. And it's, it's quite beautiful. And I think even the power of the spirit of Jesus, uh, blessed mother and God, 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit that needs to resonate again to people because I'm starting to see you either have people that are hanging on to it so much because this is what's keeping them strong, or you've seen people that have so solely have discontinued everything and disconnected. We need some of those good things coming back because this is what this is about. All these things that are happening in our world in a bad way is a test to how we are going to respond to it. And I tell this to people every time, okay? That's why I said a lot of things are happening around us. We can choose to engage in it or we can choose to stay who we are and be mindful of how we think and our actions because of it. Well, I think it's really important to make conscious choices on where we're going and who we choose to be. And sometimes we see things that are so painful, it's difficult to engage just because there's so much pain. Um, So, Susan, give us some suggestions. If you see somebody really going through something that's incredibly painful, how can we be of assistance without being a pest? I always say Try to, whatever their form is, if they like phone calls, call them. If they like text, text them. If they want an email, whatever. Do what is right for them, not what's right for you, number one. If you really want to make a conscious, um, unconditional thing for somebody, think what they want, what they respond to, because you're trying to make it about them, number one. And number two, even if they say they don't need anything, Sometimes it's just really nice to say, hey, I'm in your area. I'd love to stop by. I won't stay long. You know, give them a heads up. A lot of people today don't like surprises, so I understand that, and I take, you know, respect to people's space. Um, Send them something nice. It doesn't have to be so much money, okay? That's not what I'm going for. Send them something. Send them, you know, something that can make them smile. If they're mourning over a loved one that's passed, maybe you can make something. If you had a beautiful photograph, maybe you can send them, enlarge that photograph and put it in a frame and say something nice about it because it's going to be very comforting. But also telling them that you are going to get through it. You're never going to get over it, but you're going to get through it. There's a difference. And about, reassure about, them that. What about somebody who's who you know is now been diagnosed with a terminal illness? Oh, it's interesting. I keep getting that more and more every I day. Do. I've I've had seven cases of people who now have gotten MS. Okay, and I've gotten them all within four days. Seven. Okay, these are not coincidences, neurological dysfunctions, all of these things, people that have had stillbirths, miscarriages, I'm hearing it all. So it's, it's a very dark world right now. And what I try to tell people is be mindful of the decision-making that you did. Okay, um, if you took something that, you know, violated your body or you weren't feeling right, pay attention because the body speaks to you. I had a nurse that was diagnosed um, two months later after she had received something, and she said to me, I don't know where the outcome is, and she was diagnosed with MS. And I said, honestly, what I feel with you is early intervention is key, but something's telling me that it will go into remission. You have to learn to detox your body. So sometimes we will have something that happens to our body. 
it doesn't mean it's going to kill us. I think it's universe's way of waking us up to what we need to do to pay attention to our body. It's speaking. Maybe it's giving us a way to put things in perspective. Maybe what we wanted to go into is not no longer the trade we should be doing or the profession or people that we need to get out of our lives. Maybe we have to get so sick enough to scare us for us to make permanent positive change. Interesting that when people are afraid, that's when they do make change. Yeah. You know, I say this to people because, you know, so many people, they say if they're diagnosed with something, they think they're going to die. No, you're not going to die. It doesn't mean just because you're diagnosed with cancer, you're going to die. I think the bigger thing is what are you learning because of the cancer? Because I really truly believe if God wants you, God's going to take you. You don't have to have a disease. You can just be in your home, maybe fall asleep, never wake up, whatever. If it's meant for you to go, God will take you. Okay? But I sometimes think that if we're diagnosed with certain things, it doesn't mean the end all. It could be the beginning of what we needed to do. And it just gave us the courage to do it. Okay. So I would like to um, utilize this time for an example on this. Um, one of my regulars from last year on the radio show, uh, Lori, Lori McQuarrie, has now been diagnosed with lung cancer and it's rapidly progressing and she can barely speak. So one, I'm asking everybody for prayers on her behalf. But the other one is I've decided to write her a letter on how she has impacted my life in a positive way. Is there something else we can do from somebody long distance when we know that their time is short and we feel helpless? You need to remind them of how it impacted you, but also telling them how much her journey has changed you and made you so much aware. How she is truly the divine teacher in this world by what she's going through. Also, you know, there's going to come a point where she probably will not be scared, and maybe she's not scared now. Um, those are the true old souls that have made their peace, and they know their time is coming short, but how they are looking forward to seeing God again and going to the other side. Many times I've had people that were dying, and they knew their outcome, but they said, you know, Susan, I'm not scared anymore. I'm embracing it. Tell her when her time is coming to not fight it, but to release it. And any peace that she needs to be making, Okay, and maybe you can help her with that since she cannot no longer verbalize what she needs because you are such a wonderful author and writer. And maybe you could say, is there anything you would like me to write on your behalf to somebody that maybe you can't do? So those are the things that you could do. But the actual strength, they're the silent heroes. I call that all the time. And letting them know just how important that they are, not because they're dying, but because of how they're living. And the impact. I think it's really uh, important for us to appreciate the people in our lives and how they have affected us, whether it was a negative occurrence or a positive occurrence, because Mm -hmm. sometimes the negative occurrences you go, well, I never want to have that happen again, so what do I have to do to make sure it doesn't? You know, Or I don't choose to be that way, so therefore, because I've witnessed this, 
in somebody else, I'm making a more positive choice for myself or I see the importance of doing it differently. And on the other hand, when it's a positive influence in your life to celebrate and go, wow, you know, this is so remarkable and so joyful. And wasn't I fortunate to get to experience this? Absolutely. And I love that. Because my my biggest thing is that I want to put peace to anything that has bothered me in this lifetime. And when you know that you're dying, it's very, very important to really put things to rest. Now you're going to say, well, why? Because every lifetime holds a purpose. And when you could learn what you need to learn, but also put things to rest that you didn't like, that will make your next lifetime much better that you will not have to repeat. So for the people that have time and they know that they're going to die, it actually gives them time to really reflect and what they can change within themselves. It's very important. And they're they're giving, they're, they're they're having this opportunity be given to them. So it's, it's quite interesting to me. At that, at, with that note, we're going to take our break, and this is a very short break, and we will be right back to find out when compassion or empathy, we can actually, it can harm us or hurt us if there are those kinds of circumstances where we need to be careful of being too empathetic or too compassionate. So stay tuned, and we will be right back after this commercial break. When you need to know. Meet Susan Rowland. She is a gifted psychic medium, intuitive, and heart-centered healer who has given countless psychic and medium readings to clients all over the globe. Clients describe Susan as being warm-hearted, highly accurate, intuitive, inspiring, non-judgmental, and the real deal when delivering her readings to clients. As a professional psychic medium, Susan uses her abilities to help clients gain deep insights into their life journey and gain spiritual growth, shining light on relationships, love, career, business, and family. A gifted spiritual healer, she is ready and uniquely qualified to help you transform your life. You may schedule an appointment with Susan via her website, SusanRoland.com. How many different ways have you attempted to understand yourself or your partner on a deeper level? You have most likely heard of the Myers-Briggs test, looked up your astrological sign, or read the five love languages and utilized something like this checking in to see if you're compatible with your partner or someone else. This is irresistible, isn't it? Assessments and quizzes have almost become an obsession to see if we can better comprehend our pasts and also predict our futures especially when it comes to love. The truth is, we all want to understand ourselves and our partners better, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Most people don't even think about their name as having any significance beyond what they are called and are unaware of the wealth of information their name holds. But your name is actually an incredibly powerful tool that can be used to understand yourself and others better. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has dedicated her life to studying names. A reading with her will assist you in knowing the other people in your life better by knowing what is important to them and how to connect on a deeper level. Book a reading today with her on www.knowthename.com for your stunning name review. Welcome back to Luminescence, Common Sense Spirituality. 
And again, I'd like to repeat Susan's website because she gives phenomenal readings to people with a lot of compassion and empathy and straight facts that would help you also grow. Um, I always say if you want the truth, you call Susan and she'll give it to you as kindly as she can, but you're not going to hear something that isn't true. She's not going to talk to your ego. She's going to talk to your soul. And again, Susan's website is her name, SusanRowland.com. So Roland is R-O-W-L-E-N. All right, Susan, coming back. Is there a limit to empathy or compassion or circumstances where these traits actually would harm us and not serve us? Um. Empathy can be very overwhelming if you don't control that because you will get no inner peace when you're constantly all over the map with your emotions. So like I said at the beginning, you have to, um, there are limits to how far you're going to let someone else's story paralyze you. You can be a friend, you can be compassionate, but don't let this take you away thinking that this is happening to you. Or what I see now with a lot of my clients is they're becoming very frightful on what's happening. So they're witnessing so many things and they actually think that they're in danger to where they're living. And, you know, people ask me all the time, Susan, aren't you afraid of what's going on in the world? And I say, I'm very disheartened. I'm very sad to see all of this. But I've never been scared. Never? I'm like, no. Because that's where your faith and your strength has to come in from within you. You know, I mean, I traveled so much, even with COVID, and people say, well, aren't you afraid you're going to get COVID? I go, you know, people have to realize everybody is going to get COVID because it is an extension of the flu. And I say this to my clients, and they're like, you know, you're right. I had COVID, and it felt like the flu. Or I had COVID, it was very mild. Or I had COVID, and it was like death for me. So everybody has different um, experiences with COVID. But the bottom line is, it's no different to me than pneumonia, bronchitis, or a horrible flu. So are we going to get COVID? Most likely, yes. But it doesn't mean that you're going to die. Well, understanding. Great. I'm sorry, say that again? Well, it depends on what you're reading. It's either a 98% or a 99% recovery rate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, can we die of the flu? Yes. Yes. Can we die of pneumonia, bronchitis? Yes. I, I categorize COVID the same way. This is what I'm saying. So when you say, can empathy um, harm us? It can when you let your emotions get so carried away because now you're being dictated by fear. Yeah. I always think on the other side of fear is peace. Oh, absolutely. But you have to allow yourself to get there. So many people are still stuck in the fear. Well, you know what's interesting about fear, or what I've learned in my life anyway, is that if fear comes up, That just screams that I need to experience that circumstance that I'm afraid of so that I can get over my fear. But you're smart enough, and I love you. (laughs) I do. I love you so much because I wish everybody could feel and be like you because you're smart enough to recognize that. You know, I mean, I look at media, and they, they are constantly repeating the same story. And when I tell people, why do you keep the news on for an hour and a half or an hour? 
all the main headlines were there in the first 15 minutes, and then the traffic and then the weather come. And then after that, they started all over again. It's like, why are you choosing to keep listening to this? I understand if you want to hear the news. I'm not knocking that. That's your prerogative. But why are you listening to it nonstop? It's becoming nonsense, and it's repetitive. It is working on you subconsciously. Well, I think it can become an addiction. I mean, I Mm -hmm. realized that my life turned around literally 32 years ago when I got rid of the television set. See? There's there's no TV in my house. You're going to laugh. Whenever I watch something, if it's on the standard TV, it's only TV land. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) TV land, it's the old shows, like Everybody Loves Raymond, and it's just old shows. It's nothing bad. It's it's, Sometimes I don't even pay attention. I just listen to it for noise, but I know it's nothing that's going to make me sad. Okay, so that's that's a big thing. But I agree with you. I hardly watch any TV. And if there is something on TV, I just put something that is definitely not going to be sad. Even when we leave the house, my husband and I, we often take our daughter's dog and we babysit our grand dog. When we leave, we put we always have the TV on for her and I put on a happy station. And my husband, he just laughs at me. He goes, you even care so much about what it does to Cora. And I said, yes, I do. She's going to hear something happy. There is going to be nothing sad. There is going to be no screaming. It's going to be happy. And I like that. This way she has positive noise in the house, and it's good. So it isn't just limited to adults and children. Animals, too, who are extremely perceptive. So, you know, the next time you're leaving your animal, put some music on. Put something happy. I was going to say the plants like that, too. I mean, I go out to my sunroom where I'm I'm starting my own indoor garden, which is kind of interesting. Oh, and, love that. And I put on music for the plants because I think they grow better with nice music. Well, they, they respond to um, talking and to touch. Whenever I see a beautiful plant, not only do I say how beautiful – but I touch it very gently, and I rub its leaves, and I say how beautiful it is, and, and I say thank you for making the world pretty. See, that's fabulous. I go out every day. I'm not in the sunroom all that often anymore, and so I go out, but I make sure I go out every day, and I say, I love all you guys. Bloom and grow and have a beautiful life. And I love that. You. you know what I <laughs> wanted to tell you? Because you have this beautiful garden and you're already, you know, you're ahead of most people because I have been telling people to grow their gardens because there's going to be so much synthetic crop coming uh, within the next five years. So I, I am telling everybody, please grow your gardens and harvest your crops. But when you're saging, sage around your plants, they perk up immediately. Ah, that's a great thought. Thank you. Well, because sage is an herb from from the earth of the plant, you know, from the earth. And when you light it, it's magic to another plant. So absolutely sage your plants because they actually thrive. And any bad energy, you know, as much as we humans take in and our animals, so do the plants. So removing it from them as well. See, sometimes I think we forget because we get so busy that Mm -hmm. the plants and the animals need the same thing that we people crave. Yeah, and even our crystals. Yeah, I think that's so important. You're right. Yeah. 
um, the crystals too because they are as sensitive as we human beings. They absorb everything. So whether you charge them in the sunlight or the new, you know, the full moon um, or sage, for the people that are tarot card readers, the first thing I always say is, you know, spread the cards and sage over them and flip them and resage them after every reading that you do. Because if you're going on to the next reading with the same cards and the same energy you just did before, that is going to seep into this person's reading. That's an excellent thought. Excellent mm-hmm. thought. What about then saging the house between visitors? Would that Always. be the same? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's funny, every time we entertain, um, because they're bringing their own baggage of attachments, and they're coming into your home. So they may say, well, you know, I'm coming into Sharon's, and, you know, I came with Susan, but I think I'm hanging out now with Sharon. I'm not, I think, bye, Susan, I'm staying right here. Well, guess what? No, you're not. You're not welcome. <laughs> you need to go. You need to go. Sage them out. Because <laughs> that's how it works. So, yeah. I will share a story real quickly. I was house-sitting my daughter's house when she lived up in Baltimore, Maryland. And mm-hmm. I was house-sitting because she was going to go for the summer and work somewhere else. And we were concerned that her house not be empty. All right? And so I went up there and worked from there for that for that summer. And there was this horrible, horrible storm. Even I was like, oh, my gosh, is the building going to hold? You know, I mean, it was so bad. And I saw all these souls, you know, in their etheric shapes running through the bedroom where I was in bed. And I just, I mean, they were all running through. And so I said my prayer and said, just keep passing through. Don't stop. I think that was good. And did it work for you? It worked for me, and and I could go back to sleep. But to wake up and to see that, it just startled me. And then I had to say, okay, just keep going. And what was really interesting to me is I didn't say anything to my daughter, who came home about a month afterwards. And after she was home for one night, she called me and she said, you left some spirits in my bedroom. Get them out of here. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's that's, the energy that was left. Well, because this is what happens when you entertain. Or if you go to a big gathering, a wedding, or anything with large groups, think about that, or big restaurants or whatever. Um, It's very important. That's why I always say, please sage the inside of your car with the windows closed. You know, this is something I want to say is a big discrepancy. Most psychic mediums, when you sage, they want the windows open. I say, no, no, no. Everyone listening, please take note. Keep your windows closed for two hours while saging. When you're saging, you open the windows. All the good that the sage is trying to do, you're putting it right out the window. It's not helping your inside of the house. So you start from the bottom to to top, but you keep the windows closed for two hours. After two hours, you want to air out the debris. You most certainly can. But give the sage a chance to work. Here's another thing. People always do Palo Santo first because they don't like the smell of sage. Palo Santo puts good back in your space. But if you've got a lot of spirits or negative energy, there's only so much Palo Santo can do. You have to sage first because I always say sage is the soap and Palo Santo is the beautiful lotion. 
that's going to make everything good. Then you can put Palo Santo. Okay, but people like to take shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to energy. Okay, so what is Palo Santo for people that haven't heard of that before? Palo Santo comes from South America, and Palo Santo means holy wood. So it comes from these beautiful trees in South America. And actually, for the people that are Catholic or Orthodox and you go to church or temple and the priest or the rabbi has got, you know, the um, things, you know, putting the smoke, it's, and you smell it, it's Palo Santo. Because our priests, our rabbis, you know, they, they, they throw the smoke and it's all about blessing, and it's all of good. You'll love the smell of Palo Santo. It's just wonderful. But it's holy wood. Mm-hmm. Susan, our time always flies by when you're on the show with me. I want to thank you again for being here. Is And again, I want to remind everybody that to contact you, they can go to your website, which is your name, Susan Rowland. And Rowland is R-O-W-L-E-N. And so um, it's always such a delight, Susan. Thank you so very much. As thank always, you. As I, always, I mean we- it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I want to say something. Could I? Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. Well, I just, because we were talking about empathy, um, I just want people to practice more kindness, but please relax your judgments on people. Because sometimes we are often to judge, and sometimes we really shouldn't. We need to listen and maybe understand why they're going through what they're going through. Well, I always figure everybody's doing the best they can with the knowledge that they currently have. Yes, yes. So true. You know, and, and if I see something that's disturbing, I go into gratitude and say, thank you that I have more understanding and now what can I do to assist in the understanding so that this one can also have more understanding? Yes, very good you know, point. And you're right. You know, really, you are very, very right. And because of that, that's what keeps you in sync with trying to understand where somebody's coming from. So, you know, I, I love that you said that. And I hope that people really start to understand it better without judgment. I really do. I would, too. Well, next week, we have Lincoln uh, Gergar back on with us, and we're going to be talking about the, cr- the control and the need to have control and what drives people to think that they need to be the one in charge and that their way is the best way. So we're going to have a great discussion on that. Again, I would like to thank Susan Rowland for being with us today. And as always, we end our show with the music, The Shine, and that is by D. Lamour, and it's D-L-E-M-O-R. And you can hear more of her music at her website, which is dlamour.com. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth, signing off.
gazing in the mirror, an image of an angel smiling back at her. No wounds or imperfections, just beauty and its glow. Her laughter and her heart, a reflection of her soul. Sun.